The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. You're more in pitching podcast from pitchables.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, it's an interesting one. I imagine uh, when I'm recording this, this is the middle of December. The Dodgers are likely to get one more starter. They just signed Noah Syndergaard, so don't worry. He'll be included in this podcast. And, of course, anyone that is signed, I'll add on to the end of this podcast before it's published. So don't you worry. Um, But if you're curious what I'm doing, I'm going over every single starting pitching rotation through the month of January. Uh, reviewing them for Fantasy Baseball 2023. This is mostly for 12-teamers, but of course, uh, I do apply deeper stuff as well. And who better to start off than Clayton Kershaw, the pitcher of a generation? It's interesting. I think, I don't know quite where to draft Kershaw in drafts. Last year's 12-3 record, 126, 126 uh, innings pitch, I should say, 228 ERA, 0.94 whip, 28% K rate, sub 5% walk rate. I think that's really important uh, to note because Kershaw's still amazing is what I'm getting at. And if Kershaw is amazing, then you should have him on your fantasy team, right? Uh, I I think we get this idea that King Kershaw is over the hill. He's done. The fastball's lower now. He's not as good. Well, he's at 90-91. The slider is still one of the better sliders out there. 43% usage, a 71% strike rate, and a 49% O-swing. I mean, that's just crazy good. Fastball gets away with stuff. Curveball is still as big as ever, and it all works. He has his amazing defense behind him, amazing run support. He goes into games and goes deep whenever he starts. It's it's all there. It's just a matter of how much he's going to pitch. That is, how many uh, starts he's going to make. And with Clayton Kershaw, that means if you have that question mark of like serious injury risk because Clayton Kershaw, I think is as obvious of an injured starter as anyone this year. I mean, more so than we even say than our, than DeGrom, then you cannot draft him as your SP three, right? Or if you do, then you need to quickly get an SP four and really swap it or so. That isn't cool with me. I need at least three that I'm saying, no, these guys are getting 180 at least. And those are going to be rocks every five days they are going to make a start. So if I'm going after Clint Kershaw, I need to have three that I'm just so good on that this is now icing on top and I'm really pulling away and snowballing for those innings I get from Kershaw. If I already have risky propositions ahead, like 
Tyler Glasnow is ahead, maybe Spencer Strider or, oh, I don't know, DeGrom, then I can't go for Kershaw because you're putting too many eggs in the basket of injury. Um, and that's the, that's the issue. That said, I don't want you to completely move on from him. And when the question is like, is, is health essentially, um, it means that you as a fantasy manager go through these wonderful times when they're healthy. And that's something you should not necessarily discount because you get the benefit uh, of having a healthy player. When he's not healthy, you actually get the benefit of replacing that, right? You know what you're going to get when he does start. So I don't know exactly when I'm taking Clayton Kershaw in my leagues. Again, probably as an SP4 or 5. I would rather go after Christian Javier, for example. He went right before Clayton Kershaw in our staff mock draft. And uh, yeah, Zach Allen should be drafted above Kershaw. I'm probably going to have Kershaw around the 30s or something along those lines, I would imagine, because of that. Um, just decide for yourself how your draft is going. You, you can't expect so much from Kershaw. It'll feel great in April having Kershaw on your team, but then all of a sudden it's July and he's out and things are not going well. Julio Urias is a lot safer. 175 innings last year, 17-7 and uh, when loss. 216 ERA, 0.96 whip, and a 24% K rate with a 6% walk rate, near 30% CSW. That strikeout rate is the biggest question, I think, for Urias. He's showcased himself to be a workhorse in a way. Uh, 175 innings, 180. I don't really anticipate the Dodgers allowing him to go 6-7 innings in a game constantly. Thus, you won't see the 200-plus in all likelihood. However, win totals will be there. His whip has consistently been good, and again, the Dodgers' defense, it's going to be a huge thing here. Excellent. They are stellar. That's why Tony Gonsolin had like a 207 bad, but we'll talk about him in a second. Um, but Urias did well on that side, too. He does not have a big swinging strike pitch. His fastball went up to a 13.8% swing strike rate this past year. I hope that is around again. He was elevating his fastball more. He actually had lower velocity in the beginning by 92, but he was able to push that closer to 94 by the end of the year. Curveball is really hard to hit. It's excellent. It gets him a ton of strikes. It's, I think the reason Urias is as dominant as he is. The changeup is the big question mark. If his changeup can't be more than a 15, 16% swing strike rate pitch, it's really harder for him to get swings and misses against right-handers, which means he's not going to get the strikeouts that you want. If his changeup, with which it has really nice movement, if it's able to actually be down in a way, as opposed to just kind of up in a way, then you actually will see something closer to 30% from Julio Urias, and I really hope to see that. Regardless, you're going to get a really good ERA from Julio Urias. You're going to get a whip likely around 105, 110. A lot of wins, good amount of innings. This is great. Uh, I'm Scott White on the CBS podcast and I were talking about him versus Freed, and he pretty much sees him as the same person. I get that a lot. I think Urias is a little safer on the ratio side, a little bit better on the whip side. Um, maybe on the win total as well. ERA is actually going to be pretty close with Freed, I think. Freed and Urias each have a ceiling to hit with a secondary. That is, with Freed, it's Slider becoming more of an effective weapon. And Urias, of course, is that changeup. So they both have that tinge of upside while being both a really good floor. So because of the conversation with Scott White, I think I am going to lower Urias a little bit um, because he's also not being like a 30% strikeout guy. So neither of those guys are going to be 200 strikeout pitchers, likely. Strikeout an inning or so for both. 
So if you're going after Urias, make sure you do pair with something more exciting that can really push over 200 strikeouts. But man, those ratios, ooh, they are lovely. Yeah, Urias and Rodon, that's what you should do. Uh, you shouldn't because that will cost too high of draft picks. Anyway, uh, moving on, we're going to talk about Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, and Noah Syndergaard. And any possible free agents that happen after uh, I record this. But before then, we're going to take a quick break. Tony Gonsolin is someone entering 2022 I was not into. I was very concerned about his slider not getting enough strikes in 2021, his ultra-reliance on a splitter, which isn't a thing that I like, and I don't really think that his fastball is that good. Well, I was proven very wrong as Tony Gonsolin dominated for managers, especially in the first half. 16-1 record, 130 innings, 214 ERA, .87 whip, and a 24% K rate. The thing about Gonson, really all of the Dodgers pitchers, is that I vastly underrated how good the defense was, and it incredibly helped them. Same with Tyler Anderson, same with Andrew Heaney to a lesser degree, but really Tyler Anderson as well. And Tony Gonson's no uh, stranger to this 207 Babbitt, as I mentioned before, but an 84% left on base rate and a sub-10% home fly ball rate. I mean, this was incredibly fortunate for Gonson. It did catch up a little bit in the second half, but honestly not that much. And really the splitter is the hero. It has a 43% O-swing, 46% zone rate, 19% swing strike rate, and it had a 70% strike rate overall. 70%. This was after a sub-60% in 2021, and the real reason why I didn't think that Gonsolin was going to be a major thing. In 2020, when Gonsolin had success, his slider had a 70% strike rate and then fell dramatically, right? And I thought, without that slider, Gonsolin is not going to get enough strikes with the splitter, which means he's going to have to throw more fastballs, and that's not a good pitch, and that's not going to work. But when all of a sudden you throw your splitter in the zone a ton and get a lot more swings out of the zone on it, well, you're going to get a lot more strikes, and it is super hard to hit, but we're talking like a 120 batting average allowed. It's really good. I'm on the fence about how much I want to lean into the splitter still being good. Now, during his struggle in the second half, Tony Gonsolin was still very effective with that splitter. So it could be fine. The slider, despite not being above a 60% strike pitch, it still missed a lot of bats, 19% swing strike rate on it. There's a lot to like here. I don't know if Gonsolin's fastball slider are good enough and the splitter, can we really buy into it? Also, only 130 innings. That's the highest he's had across any year in his professional career, including the minors. So the longevity is not necessarily there either. Uh, I like it. I think where he's going in drafts right now are not inside the top 10 rounds, which means you can get Gonsolin as your fifth pick or fifth starter. If that's the case, fifth starter, I'm four, as he should be out of the gate pitching for the Dodgers. Things should be good. But if you're leaning into this ERA and whip and thinking you are, everyone else is crazy for not jumping in, well, you understand the concerns now, and I would trust other pitchers to be my SP3 or SP4. Uh, then there's Dustin May, and oh, I want Dustin May to be good. We all want Dustin May to be good. His stuff moves so much. The sinker at 99 just dives underneath bats and makes right-handers look so foolish swinging these pitches inside. And then you have this big breaking ball. Call it a curveball. Call it a slider. Whatever you want it to be. It looks like Alec Manoa's slider, essentially, but just a little bit harder. Then he also has a little cutter that he mixes in with that, which can be very effective, too. It all seems like this should work. However, he only had one really good start last year, and everything else was a clear sub-20% strikeout rate for Dustin May. It was a lot of command issues, 11% walk rate overall. And I think what we have here is a guy who gets a lot of ground balls because of the sink and the velocity, but cannot command anything. 
And it's going to be a struggle through this entire season to see how Dustin May adapts. He was able to adapt before Tommy John in 2021. I had concerns entering the season. I said, you're throwing away your pick if you go after Dustin May. And he did all right. He did well for guys that had Tommy John and really disappointed everyone. He's very flashy. This is a cherry bomb to me. There are going to be times when Dustin May gets a ton of whiffs on his curveballs feeling that that day and gets the outs with the sinker and it's, he just looks unhittable. But I don't believe we'll see a consistent uh, control freak in Dustin May. He's not going to be able to put the pitch where he wants to nearly enough. I could be very wrong about this. It all depends on when he's going in drafts. If he's going around other guys like Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty and Frankie Montas, I prefer those guys because I will feel more confident in them early in the season if they're going well. I know exactly the things I'm looking for with each of those. With Dustin May, I don't think I can buy into his command just being fixed all of a sudden. You know, I'm going to have to see a longer period of time for me to believe that he's not just wild or effectively wild or something, and that irks me. So I'm careful with Dustin May. It's a fun one. But it's also one of those picks that can, in the first two months of the year, really hurt you because you are holding on longer than you should or he's a cherry bomb and it's just chaotic. I don't like chaos. I like knowing and feeling confident in what I have and what I don't have and uh, moving on from there, making those decisions. Being able to make good decisions in fantasy baseball is so undervalued, I think, um, and not talked about enough. And Dustin made is a harder decision to make in season. Someone that might be easier to make a decision on is Noah Syndergaard. He just signed with the Dodgers this week. Last year was, oh boy, it was it was a Toby. All right, uh, 134, 134 innings, uh, 10 and 10 record, 394 ERA, 125 whip, 17% K rate, 5% walk rate. He was with the Angels, got traded to the Phillies. The Phillies were like, eh, we don't need you to start really, right? It's okay. It's fine. Uh, and coming into the season, I was really worried about it because we knew that Syndergaard would not be throwing with the same repertoire we had before. That is, a slider would be on the back burner a bit. Velocity wasn't quite there when we saw him return last year. And that's really what we saw. The slider did jump up to 20% usage, but it wasn't nearly as effective as it used to be. So, I don't know what to expect with Noah Syndergaard here. It is good news that the Dodgers got him. Of all the teams that you want pitchers to go toward to, it's the Giants, it's the Astros, and the Dodgers. Generally, those are the guys that fix pitchers and make them better in some fashion. I uh, There's also the fact that Syndergaard went to driveline, or at least he's at driveline this offseason. Those two things combined give you some hope that maybe Syndergaard can get more velocity on the fastball. Maybe that means that the slider can be more than a 9% swing strike rate. I, it doesn't make for a a pick I want to make, but but I'm fine with it. Like as my SP8, just see what's going on in the spring, and also see early on in the season is Syndergaard doing the things that we want him to do. You know, is it a better fastball? We'll know if the velocity is there. Is it a better slider that's actually getting whiffs? Is his curveball effectively landing in the zone for strikes? Is his changeup doing anything all right? I mean, he needs to wow us. And if Noah Syndergaard is relying on, you know ground outs. I mean, keep in mind, before Tommy John, he didn't have like a 30% strikeout rate. He had like a 23-24% strikeout rate with a high whip because he would always allow a lot of hits. So, it's kind of weird. Syndergaard is not the guy they used to be. Maybe he can get close to it now with driveline in at the Dodgers. I'm not holding my breath on it, but I'm okay taking a spec ad in a 
uh, in a draft just to kind of see how it goes in the spring. But that's it. Uh, that's the Dodgers. There might be a chance. Well, there's a chance that after these five guys, either they're going to sign somebody else and I'll edit this in. I think edit this out probably. There's also a chance that one of their prospects gets the call. Look, there are five guys right now. It's not a lot of depth, which means you might see Bobby Miller. You might see Gavin Stone. There's excitement about both of them. I don't think you need to draft either one of them, but be aware that they exist. They both have some upside to them, especially if they get consistent playing time for the Dodgers. There's always something good about that. So know that they exist. They'll likely be inside of the top 10 pitchers to stash article. And uh, we'll see if they can make an impact this year, especially if someone goes down and there isn't a signing for the Dodgers. Uh, That would be a huge, huge deal. Hopefully we don't see Ryan Papillo. We do not want to see any of that. Or honestly, Andre Jackson, I don't think that anything to chase either all right that's gonna do it for this edition of the plus pitch podcast thank you all so much for rating and reviewing as well as subscribing to the podcast and of course to pl plus um, but that's it so my name is nick pollock and may your babas below and your strike outside